<laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Good morning, everyone. Super excited that you all are here. Thank you, Worship Live, for the worship. Thank you, Jeff, for the introduction. Um, he's right. He, he's right. It's been it's been a minute, and I'm just so happy to be uh, in front of you all uh, this morning. Um, hey, I want to jump right into the word. Okay, so we're going to look at First uh, Kings, First Kings five through thirteen. I'm going to read First um, Kings um, nineteen. Um, Three through five. Okay, so First Kings uh, five. Excuse me, uh, nineteen five through thirteen. I'll read First Kings nineteen three through five. All right. If you got it, say I got it. If you don't have it, just go ahead and pull out the Bible app. Click on First Kings, then hit chapter 19. It takes all of five seconds. All right, here we go. Uh, First Kings uh, 19, three through five. Can we stand for the word? First Kings 19, three through five. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree. Some versions might say juniper tree. Some versions might say a tree. (laughs) And prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough. Lord, take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. And the word of the Lord is blessed. You may have your seats. I have a question for you. Um, Have you ever ran from a fight? Oh, so all y'all are tough. Okay, I got it. Um, One time, I remember like it was yesterday. Um, I I ran from a fight. Yes, I did. I was in the sixth grade and uh, had just transferred to a new school. Now, this school was twice the size as uh, of my previous school uh, that I attended. And, well, me being the young buck that I was back then, uh, I had to to make sure people knew that I was a I was a tough guy, uh, brother Scott. I, I I had to let people know that I was a tough guy. All right. So, as a tough, bad sixth grader, I decided to mess with this young lady. Now, why did I do that? I said some words, uh, um, words that I hope you're not using today. Um. That, that, were, that were offensive. She then told her brother what I said. Now check this out. Her brother, I don't know, this is crazy. Her brother then told the school's toughest guy what I said. Now, let me pause parenthetically and say this. The, the toughest guy in the school just so happened to be the best friend of the girl's brother. And so... The school tough guy, he said, tough guy, he said this to me, he said, 315, tell Joshua at 315, 
I'm going to handle him. If you don't know what handle means, then look it up in the dictionary. All right. I acted like I wasn't afraid, but on the inside, my um, everything in my being was afraid. My heart was beating fast. My, my hands were sweating. I was trembling on the inside. Now, after school, which was customary for us, I headed to my grandmother's house uh, with my brother and uh, some siblings, I mean, cousins of mine. And as I'm walking to my grandmother's house, I'm literally just about 200 steps away from my grandmother's house. I almost made it to grandma's house. Um, but who do I see before I get to my grandmother's house? That's right. I saw the toughest guy in the school. So he said something like this. He said, say what you said to my sister now. This wasn't even his sister. What is he even talking about? And I did what a sixth grader would do. What did I do? I ran. (laughs) I ran for my life. Listen, I got to my grandmother's house so fast. Grandma was sitting there like, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing is wrong. My brother stayed there. I don't know what happened with my brother and the guy. Something happened. I don't know what happened, Jeff. I'm just going to tell you I ran. So I don't know what happened. But I ran. Fear caused me to run. Now, now here's the truth. If we were, were to keep it a buck today, if we were to keep it a buck today, um, a, a lot of us struggle with fear in some ways. In fact, I was looking, I think it was a burner report. I didn't, I didn't write it in my notes, but I think it says something crazy, like 91% of the people that were polled struggle with anxiety according to burner. And I'm like, what? And you're talking about Gen Z, I think. Fear. Anxiety. And fear can make us respond in some interesting ways. Maybe your fear isn't um, the middle school uh, tough guy, but it's the fear of failure. The fear of the future, the fear of rejection or the fear of the unknown. And it may cause you to run from something that God is calling you to do. Or it might cause you to run to something that God might be calling you to lay aside. Well, in this message, we find a prophet on the run. Yes, that's right. A prophet, one who had done amazing exploits for God, ran for his life because he was afraid he would die. And he ran for it. He ran. That man, he got going. You hear me? Now, Elijah is his name. He ministered during the reign of this king. This king is, is named Ahab. Ahab worshiped this God called Baal. And according to 1 Kings 16 and 30, dude was the biggest man out there. He did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than those who went before him. So we pick up in 1 King, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, atop of Mount Carmel, where Elijah is in this intense battle with about 450 prophets of Baal. Both have slaughtered this bull, put it on the altar and cried to their God to light a fire underneath. Now, the prophets of Baal went first. They they went up, they were shouting, and they were dancing. They were slashing themselves with swords and spears from sundown to sunup, but no fire came. 
Elijah, on the other hand, built an altar of the Lord, poured water on it, and called down fire from the sky that set everything on fire. Elijah won the battle. He slaughtered the prophets of Baal. Now, just like the young lady told her brother what I said, and then in turn told the brother told the toughest guy in the school what I what I said. Uh, uh, Ahab uh, heard uh, what saw what Elijah did to uh, these prophets and told Jezebel uh, his wife. And here we are in chapter nineteen of First Kings, where we will spend the rest of our time. In verse two. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah who said on everything I love, Elijah. Do I have any people from the chocolate community in here? Okay. Uh, On everything I love, Elijah. Uh, That means, listen, it's about to go down, Elijah. Um, I'm taking your life tomorrow. So what did Elijah do? He did what I did in middle school. Buddy took off. He ran. He ran like his life depended on it. The prophet of God was on the run. Now he ran to a place called Beersheba, he left his servant according to verse 3. Then he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. After this, Elijah did what any good prophet would do. He prayed. What did Elijah pray? Man, it must be something deep that he prayed. Elijah prayed, Lord, take my life. I love, okay, let me pause parenthetically. We have 14 minutes and 43 seconds left. Let me pause right here and say this. I love that the Bible keeps it real. Some of us don't. Let me. Okay, I'm going to talk to this side. Some of us don't keep it real, but the Bible does. Bible says that Elijah prayed, Lord, take my life. He didn't pray, Lord, you're a deliverer. You're, You're amazing. You're wonderful. No, Lord, take my life. I'm scared. Maybe you're feeling like Elijah this morning. Exhausted, fearful, depressed. Let me say this to you as I say this to myself. God wants to meet you right where you are. He wants you to encounter him right where you are. So I want to title this text this morning, On the Run, Lessons from the Life of Elijah. And here's what you need to know out of everything that I say, God wants to encounter you and me right where you are. So, Father, in these few moments together, I just pray that you would encounter us so that we might be a people that would impact your world for the glory of Christ. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. The first thing we can encounter, according to this text, is God's strength for your exhaustion. God's strength for your exhaustion. Let's look at the text. 
after being on the run for a while and praying, Elijah went to sleep under a tree. An angel interrupted Elijah's sleep. I mean, an angel was Elijah's alarm clock. That's crazy to me. Okay, back to the story. The angel told him, get up, get up, get, get something to eat. He gets up. And what seems to be out of nowhere, he has cornbread and a jug of water. Okay, he had bread and water right in front of him. God provided nourishment for Elijah. And God will do the same for us. He will provide for you and give you what you need. He'll provide for you. And sometimes you will not know where the provision or resources came from. But all you can say is that was God. God does things. He makes ways where like it seems like there would be no way. Elijah did exactly, back to the text, what the angel told him to do. First, verse 6 tells us he ate, he drank, and went back to sleep. After sleeping for a second time, the angel woke him up again, encouraged him to eat, and he drank for the journey ahead. Again, verse 8 tells us that in obedience to the angelic command, Elijah ate and he drank. And this act of obedience refreshed Elijah. Here's a question. What's on the other side of your obedience? Perhaps it's a breakthrough. Maybe it's a freedom that you've never experienced in your life. On the other side of your obedience, it might be renewed strength or a new life. What's on the other side of what God is telling you to do? God will provide for you, all we must do is respond to his command. Let's look at verse eight again. The Bible says Elijah traveled 40 days and nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, what was so significant about Horeb? Horeb had another name, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was the place where God led Moses and the Israelites to after liberating them from the chains of Egyptian oppression. Now, catch this now. I believe God wanted to remind the prophets that if, uh, uh, if Pharaoh wasn't a problem, you shouldn't be worried about Ahab and Jezebel either. Now, if God can handle Pharaoh and handle Ahab and handle Jezebel back then, he can handle whatever situation, circumstance or issue you might fight, find yourself in right now. If he can provide protection for the children of Israel and Elijah, he can provide for you, too. God gave Elijah exactly what he needed. He gave him strength. For the journey. God met Elijah on the run, and he will meet us right where we are, too. And we'll encounter his strength for our exhaustion. And then we will encounter his presence for our problems. We will encounter God's presence in the midst of our problems. Let's look at verse nine. 
God asked Elijah a very pointed question. What are you doing here, Elijah? God is asking Elijah, why are you in this place? This question caused a lot to come out of Elijah. He answered in verse 10, I've been, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned, they, they've abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are looking for me to take my life. Elijah feels like he is all alone serving God. Have you ever felt this way before? Have you ever felt like you were the only one? Plugged into Instagram, but alone. TikTok, Snapchat, all the other stuff, but alone. Connecting, connecting in community, what seems like community, but feeling alone. In a crowd, but feeling alone. I mean, have you ever felt like you were alone? Well, God responds to Elijah by telling him to go stand on the mountain. Go stand in his presence. Go get a new perspective, Elijah. I would suggest that in the times that we're living in right now, we all need mountain encounters with God. He tells him, go stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. Elijah encounters God in a life-altering way. And here's what happens. At that moment, check this out, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was, there was this uh, significant earthquake, but the Lord was not uh, in, the, in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper, a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood, the Bible says, at the entrance of the cave. Now, if you're wired like me, I'm a second generation Pentecostal preacher. Pops is a Kojic pastor. Shout out to the Church of God in Christ. And if you're wired like me, you love the mountain tearing of God. You love when the wind is blowing and the, and the earthquakes are happening in your midst. But God wasn't in that this time. He was in a, a voice, a soft whisper. You know, I've been thinking about this encounter and I, I wondered, why did God speak to Elijah in that soft whisper. And I don't want to say because, you know, God likes silence more than he likes loud. Now, I'm not going to say that because it's going to be loud tomorrow. I'm going to let you know. Okay, yes. Anyway, all right. 
I'm sure that many of us could come up with the, well, the Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent. Amen to God. Yes, I understand that as well. Silence and solitude. I agree. Yes, I do. I'm sure that we can all with our theological minds and our really brilliant selves come up with reasons why um, God spoke to Elijah in this soft whisper. I was having a conversation with our GA, um, Lindsay. Come on, shouts to Lindsay. I told her I'm going to give her props this time. Second time, I'm going to say someone said. Third time, I'm not even going to mention that anyone told me this. But I'll give it to you this time. All right. Um, I was wrestling with the text. I'm like, why would God speak in this whisper? And this, this like hit me. It just hit me big time. I'm like, oh, that's good, Lindsay. And she said, the significance of God not being in the fire or the wind was because those were theophanies. Those were how God had typically revealed himself in the past. But now he reveals himself in a completely new way. He is now present, not just in the fire, not just in the wind, not just in the earthquake. God says, take the box off of me. He's now present in a whisper too. That's God saying to us, take the limits off of me. He is now in a whisper. I love the dramatic. I do. Y'all, you all know this already. I don't have to tell you. I, we know Joshua. We know you do. I, I love the mountain tearing. I do, man. I, I just love it. Uh, I love the fire. And I think we need more fire in our churches. My God, if we Someone called, I'm not going to say which pastor told me this, he called some folks the frozen chosen. My God, do we need fire? I'm not going to say you told me that about a certain group of people. I won't say that because I love this pastor. Anyway, let me get back to my notes. Um, but sometimes God tells us to take the box off of me and hear me speak to you in a new way. God is moving and he wants us to encounter him, but it might just be through a soft whisper. Elijah was a prophet on the run and he encountered God right where he was. And we can encounter God's presence too. We can encounter God's strength for our exhaustion and God's presence for our problems. I know some of us are overwhelmed. Maybe you're overwhelmed by the weight of trying to figure out what's next for your life. Maybe you're overwhelmed by exams that are coming up. Maybe you're overwhelmed by what's happening this summer. Maybe you're overwhelmed by just the semester. Maybe you're just exhausted. You're tired. You're weary. Well, let me encourage you to let you know that you can encounter God's strength. In his presence. And I heard Jeff just said this. What if we can 
begin to encounter God's presence and be asking God throughout the rest of this week and for the rest of our days, God, show me where you're working in unfamiliar places and in unfamiliar ways. God, show me. It might not just be here in this chapel where you're moving. Show me where you're moving out there. We can break into the presence of God in here, but what about us breaking into the presence of God while we're eating in the calf? What about that? Unfamiliar ways. Ask him to help you see. Lord, help us see you at work in our community, wherever we go, just as you broke through in an unfamiliar, out-of-the-box way with Elijah. Lord, we're asking you to do that for us as well. Can you stand on your feet? We have about five seconds left, and I'm just going to bless you, and you can go, okay? We'll have prayer tomorrow at, after uh, chapel but I just want to bless you. Would you lift up your hands and just receive this blessing as we leave? Here's my, my simple prayer for all of us, including myself. Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us to discern the whisper today. That even as, man, it's so much noise going on in our world, man. Just getting us so distracted. I'm guilty of it, God. Sometimes I miss your voice because I hear so much going on. I hear the taunts of Ahab and Jezebel. I hear the taunts of all these things going on in my world. Father, I ask that you would silence those voices and help us to hear the still, small whisper. still small whisper my simple prayer as you go is that God's strength through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit would be made manifested in your life My prayer is that you would encounter his presence and you would see that the kingdom of God is near, not just in this chapel, but in the classroom, not just in this chapel, but the calf, not just in this chapel, but in the residence halls. Go and may you see with new eyes the very presence of God that's right in front of you in Jesus name. Amen. See you tomorrow at 1050.